0: You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors 75, and our guest today is David Smith of Rewilding Ireland, and that obviously means that in this episode we talk rewilding. But we talk rewilding in general, not specifically related to Ireland. Oh, there is a, some specifics, uh, Irish related. But we talk a lot about rewilding in general. So if rewilding is your thing, this episode is definitely for you. And once you're done listen to listen to that to this episode, uh, go ahead and go to Twitter and find out if Twitter is your thing, obviously, and find uh, rewilding Ireland on Twitter and give him a follow. Uh, There is a tons of uh, very interesting conversations going on there Uh, and various people get involved, not only uh, pro-rewilding, but uh, let's say people who are more skeptical about rewilding as well. So uh, very interesting conversations are going on there. And uh, just before I let you enjoy this episode of Tommy's Outdoors, uh, just a quick reminder that Tommy's Outdoors have also a YouTube channel so uh and all the episodes of the podcast are available there on youtube but also a lot of more goodies so head on to youtube find tommy's outdoors there and give it subscribe uh and uh yeah i think that's it for the intro and so now without any further ado ladies and gentlemen david smith and rewilding ireland Uh, david welcome to the show thanks for having me it's it's good it's good to have you and uh uh, i'm really happy to have you because um we spoke about uh rewilding many times with many guests and with you as well on 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 twitter and uh you are a man behind rewilding ireland's twitter account at rewilding ire for everybody listening so go and give it a follow uh I must say I admire your uh you know what you're doing because you're engaging with in conversation and you're kind of driving the conversation. Uh and and it's you know Twitter is not always place when you can exchange thoughts in a in a kind of constructive manner and, and have some some meaningful exchange. And you're kind of like pulling that off.
1: Yeah, well that was the whole point of setting up the account. Um kind of set it up there January of this year and I just noticed that there was no real kind of central point of discussion in Ireland for Rewilding. I know there's people out there doing great work and everything but it's kind of scattered all over the place and there's nothing that kind of just screams Rewilding. So I just yeah. said I'd put together the account and um, just to try and see if it had any benefit and people seem to like it and kind of engage with it a good bit and I'm trying to use it as maybe just to kind of understand where people are with rewilding in ireland there is a plan kind of for the future covid has gotten the way but um i'm just trying to see what people think of rewilding in ireland and build kind of a sort of a point to of contact for it if anyone has any questions they might just throw me in it um i can reach out to other people i'm by no means an expert but um i'm finding it good and very good to get feedback from people I,
0: I noticed that you're very you know you're, you're very humble and you always say like I'm not an expert I'm not an expert but that's very good is you know what I noticed that usually people who are first to say like, I'm not an expert in something are usually people who you should listen the most because they have a kind of like a balanced approach to to everything listen David you said that there's uh there are some other plans do you, are you comfortable with sharing what, you, what you're what you thinking about, or is it all just you prefer not to talk to about at the
1: moment? Well, it's not really in concrete, yet. so um, there was a kind of a plan to maybe set up something a bit more formal, not uh, another ENGO or something like that, but maybe a collective or something like that um, mm-hmm. plans might be still on just to have something in Ireland. I know that there's good work done out there by um, the Irish wildlife shows, Park Fogarty in particular, mm-hmm. he does a lot of stuff like that and I'd be kind of looking to maybe set up just some sort of a centralized conversation in Ireland. We'll see mm-hmm. how it goes though, it is early days and I get distracted with other side projects a lot so mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Right. Um, I'll be in the loop though, don't worry. But you're finding that
0: there is a need for this sort of uh, conversation. You you finding a lot of interest in that? Are you
1: there? There is a lot of interest. And um, the past few years, it has grown across the world, really, um, in terms of a practice. Um, in Ireland, it's it's a weird kind of conversation where we are at the minute now. Like, I some people are for it, some people are against it, and some people don't want to talk about it at all. So, like, it's good to have the discussion. I think um, I much prefer somebody to be against rewilding rather than have no opinion on it because at least if they're against it, we can work on what the issues are there and see what the path Mm -hmm. forward is. But when there's no opinion on it, it's very hard to kind of figure out what the reception is in Ireland um, and what people actually do think about the big questions like reintroduction and expanding national parks management of species as part of rewilding which some people might disagree with i think at this stage there is a need for some sort of management plans to be drawn up as part of a rewilding scheme in ireland so there is a lot of stuff out there that needs to be kind of ironed out in an irish context like the conversations are happening in the uk the conversations are happening in france and germany but there's nothing really happening here at a um i would say the full spectrum like between agriculture and conservation, the ENGOs and the government, like, so it'd be good to kind of get something like that started, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you, do you, do you have you, have you have any
1: negative feedback so far? I got a good bit of negative feedback. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are against the the big W words, um, for some reason, and you guess a lot of people, then you kind of, why they think it, don't, it won't work, um, in fairness, they're probably right in some ways that like, wolf-free introduction won't work at the minute in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Make no bones about it. like It is a contentious subject, but the reasons aren't ecological reasons for not bringing the wolf back to Ireland. That's the one major problem I'd have. There's yeah. no ecological reason being presented to me at the moment that can't be discussed or like worked on in the near future to bring back the wolf. So that's something that kind of... Mm -hmm. it's interesting to get people's feedback and see where they are with yeah um, yeah
0: yeah even if i like look man i i get it and i think you know even like tommy's outdoors is a conversation platform at least i'm trying to you know for 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 you and people who following what i'm doing i have people with all sorts of spectrums and uh, on on the podcast and i and i enjoy talking with them and and conversation is is you know like any, the only way to actually make a progress and, and, and no. Uh, so I'm not surprised that you have also negative, like a positive feedback because, and that's something I said many times on the podcast. I was not aware that rewilding might be a controversial term. And, and like you mentioned, some people don't even like the term and they like, why we not call it this and why we not call it that, right? It, it seems like, the word is
1: burning and like, let's lose a different word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you're coming from there. Like to me, rewilding is more than the ecological part of it. Like ecologically it's just restoration. That's all rewilding is. But when you look at the whole kind of spectrum that goes with it, the cultural, the social aspects, then you're into more of a philosophical side. And that's where rewilding really comes into its own. It's more of a question of where people see themselves in relation to nature. Do they see themselves as part of nature? Do they see themselves as separate to nature? So like rewilding in itself is just Restoration, but mm-hmm. with the added social, um, kind of the social part of it as well. Like, so, like, let's say if we take the example of the wolf, like to bring mm-hmm. the wolf back, it's ecological restoration. We get our core areas, we get our cor- corridors, we build the island that way. We'd obviously have to bring in some form of schemes for farmers to make sure there was no livestock damage, there was no um financial loss. We'd have to make sure that there was no Danger to people there was no danger to domestic pets or the danger was reduced and um, that's all ecological restoration but then you have to look at how do people feel with living with predators how do we feel about like giving up some of the control that we have of land and of our environment to other things like that's kind of where rewilding comes into its own there is no real definition of rewilding that I've seen like it's not a defined term it's just it's a phrase that kind of encompasses a whole set of things that go with it, in my opinion, anyway. So I think that's why it is controversial. Like people see it as something that will get rid of people from the countryside. I don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. Um I see people as part of the wild. Like most some people will disagree with that. But like to me, people and the wild go hand in hand. People can live in wild places. It's just about how much we're kind of willing to let go to self filled and and the the cultural change that goes with restoring the islands to some of its former glory
0: yeah that's an interesting point that you made that this is not so much ecological actions which you're this is very interesting you, you're so you're you're saying essentially that the restoration is a part of of rewilding and that that another part is change the the attitude of of, i would like you to go deeper on that because that's very that's very interesting do you think that this is something that is causing so much so much tension that that restoration in itself would be like oh okay we can do this but we don't have space for it all right get out but then you're talking like well but you need to change your attitude and that's where it's
1: so much that you have to tell people to change their attitude but It kind of is another knock-on of it. Like in Ireland, it's... Ireland is weird in the sense of we have so much farmland, we have so much land ownership, like compared to a country like the UK. The UK has a lot more public land. It has um, rights away through land. Like there's a different relationship with land there. In Ireland, there is a post-colonial mindset with land. I suppose that that might be controversial to say to some, but I see it this way, like where we view land as differently to the rest of Europe because of our history and our past so the association we have with land and giving up control of that is different to what people in the UK or people in France or people in Germany might have so I think that's kind of another thing we have to look at as well like when I say the cultural aspect of it maybe rewilding is addressing our relationship with land and the values we associate with it. Mm, yeah yeah and that's not, not not something
0: the new that you just that you just uh mentioned that the different approach to land ownership in in ireland but you know there is a the first time i heard about this problem when i was reading about uh i think that the project in the united states is called uh uh, it was, I, I'm going to butcher a name now, but it was something like a Great Plains Wildlife Reserve or something like that. And it's, it's really deeply rooted, like for for generations, people were, you know, all they were doing, they were kind of uh, trying to get land from the wild, right? They'd turn it from the wilderness, turning it into farmland, and they were, it was good, and they were building their houses and families and all that. And they feel like now we're coming in and saying, like, "Oh, you know, everything that you were doing for the last two hundred years was wrong, All right? Give it back to nature, give it back to which which is you know something that is deeply ingrained and and I think that's on some level you know it's 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 subconscious really where how people feel about uh thing and and I agree with you on one thing that no project like that and even if it comes to conservation or anything like that in my opinion it starts with land management but then when you when you're getting into land management issues boy that's a minefield
1: right yeah and um, like I, I can comment on the great plains one i think i know what you're on about but i'm not too well read on it yeah comment. i probably
0: i probably, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's called something else. But the idea is to, to buy off the, the ranches and, and the huge amounts of land and essentially rewild it. Um, and, you know, well, people I mean, are kind of hesitant to selling that even.
1: Yeah, well, that's probably part of the conversation we need to have in Ireland. Like, how do we rewild the land? Like, do we... Take lands, well, not take lands. And um, do we take lands out of commission from farmland? Like, do we set up uh, funds to buy lands off people that are willing to sell, if they're willing to sell? Or do we look at sort of farmers and we go, "Look, is there something we can do here where we can create wilderness within your land and pay you for it, so that we have areas of wild that are still agricultural land and managed to some degree? So you have H and V or something like. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the conversation that. Could be had in Ireland. I don't know if it will be had, but like, just taking the land off people and removing people from the land isn't the answer to the problem at all. Like, um, Ireland will never have people not on the land. So, like, we need to account for that when we're looking at the wilderness. Like, I, people were always on the land in Ireland up until before the English came. Like, there was trees being knocked. There was woodland being converted into farmland. Like, it was part of our culture. Like, so. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to take people off the land. I don't think we need to be as draconian as purchase land and turn it into the wilds. I think there is a happy medium there that people can work with. Like the wilds can be different to what people think it is.
0: And, you know, this is, this is, uh, nicely bringing me to, to another point that every time I talk with farmers, you know, in, 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 Excellent majority of cases. I, I, in fact, I can say that in, in my case with the farmers that I talk to, it's 100%. They love nature. They, they love animals. They love the landscape. They, they love the mountains. They love being outdoors. Um, they, they're, they're, even they're doing their biodiversity projects. They're, they're digging ponds or, or you know, uh granted they're cutting hedges on the road but then they leaving the hedges inside their farm and doing all this stuff um and an unfortunate part of that is that quite often it seems like farmers are almost pitted against the other you know movement whether we call them rewilding movement or or whatever whatever else and and there's like an incredible tension which is you know, it's unfortunate on one end, and I don't see the way how to smooth it out, let's say, because the, the, the I, I see the conflict quite clearly, and, and surely you see that too.
1: Yeah, no, I parse it the Times as well, like, I'm not going to lie, there's some things that I disagree with Bentley, and I will not be afraid to say it on Twitter um, on, at Times, but what you kind of went back to there with farmers building ponds and everything like that is part of HNV and conservation and they're vital to it in Ireland and they don't get enough credit for it, but they're also not paid for it. And that's a major problem. Like, so like, That needs to be looked at as well. There is cap reform coming and cap reform should really pave the way for HNV. Like obviously there will always be an element of intensive farming in the world. There has to be to feed as many people as there is here. But there is a better way to do it. There's a smarter way to do it. And we need to look at maybe we don't need to farm all the land we are Mm -hmm. farming. We can leave some to scrub. Like farmers are penalized in their Basic farm payments at the minute for having scrub, so like obviously scrub is nowhere in the country because it doesn't pay the farmer to have it there, and they have to pay money to have it there. So like farmers do love biodiversity. It's just um, it's not paid for at the minute. Like so that needs to be asked of the farming organisations, of the government, why it isn't being paid. Like and look at paying farmers for those services.
0: Yeah. The other thing is that that uh, also came up uh, when I was talking uh about native woodlands that there 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 are certain projects and the projects goes for you know two four six years and yeah. the farmer converts parts of the of the land into a woodland and it's all beautiful and then project comes to an end It's like okay no you know no more payment for that right and it's like okay so I guess I'm gonna cut out all the all the native woodland now and turn it into pasture again and run yeah. cattle on it. So there is so like that, no continuity. So it, it, every project like that, there it it needs a commitment for decades, rather than for the next governmental change.
1: Yeah, no, that's a major problem. Like if we go back to reps, reps when it was set up was paid as a transitional payment mm-hmm. to farmers. Could you, could you decipher Rep, that? First? The rural environment protection scheme it ran for, oh, was it three or four phases. No, sorry. Um, was off the farm towards the end of it, but um, it was basically a government fund where they paid farmers. I don't know the way it was kind of explained to me on the farm where I kind of half grew up was it paid farmers to tidy the place up a bit, and mm-hmm. um, so like they put in fences kind of less than a meter and a half between drains and everything, like so there was a bit of grass you were only supposed to cut at certain times, leave uh meadow hedges around, um. They're the ones I can remember off the top of my head now, sorry, it was while it was kinda around the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um it ran and like a lot of farmers signed up and a lot of farmers put money into it. But the problem was the scheme stopped. Um, the scheme as it was marketed was a payment for farming that way, but the way it was actually probably run was as a transitional payment to allow farmers to cover the costs incurred while setting up the new fence and the electric fencing or something like that. So that wasn't fair on farmers as a whole. Um what you do need to be looking at is 100-year kind of plans, 50-year plans, like at minimum, yeah. because that you need to be thinking in these kind of time frames. If you're planting trees now, they're only going to start to mature in 50 years. So that's kind of the time frame that needs to be applied. Um, and that's one of the things as well with rewilding, that people kind of maybe, I ha- hasn't been communicated to the farmers or like farmers maybe don't want to kind of engage in it for fear of, things like wolf free introduction or something, but a rewilding scheme would have to have a long-term view of where things are going to go. Like rewilding isn't about an end goal. It's about putting the processes in. So you're not entirely sure of the end goal, but you can know for certain, like in 50 years time, this scrub will develop into woodland kind of thing. So like that would be part of the conversation if we had a national kind of ecological restoration uh, program. You'd be looking at these. You'd be going, okay. In a hundred years' time, what do we want the country to look like? There's a patch of woodland up here. There's a patch of woodland down here. Can we develop woodland in between? Can we pay farmers to maintain that? Like, so that's kind of if you think outside the box and go the big picture. Like, this is kind of where farmers can benefit from rewilding kind of initiatives or restoration initiatives, and see um, what benefits they can get from it. And obviously, farmers as well will have a in any action, so they could also benefit from. If there was um, more um, kind of forestry programs, they had continuous cover of forestry in their lands, that um, marginal lands or something like that. There is a plenty of benefits there for farmers if they were to engage. Not saying they don't know, but like if there was a program for them and they signed up, it could be very beneficial to everyone, a lot better than what we've seen with reps and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you were... If you were... Uh Elected a uh, a uh, advisor, to prime minister, or to you know agriculture TD, yeah. and you you would you would have to advise how to even start, kind of um, you know making bridge, building bridge uh, between farmers and um, you know let's let's call them rewilders, right in the, in the for the purpose of
1: this conversation? Where where would you start? We get everyone into a room together to talk. It's probably the first thing that needs to be done. Like, and there needs to be fair engagement from everyone. It is the same goal at the end of the day. You want nature there and you want people to get paid. Like that's the two basic rules of any discussion or rewilding program in Ireland. So it's a big question. I don't know how to get there. Um, I know that there's kind of, people are starting to kind of see that we can't go on the way we're going at the minute. There needs to be a big change. Um, climate change, obviously, with temperatures up in Siberia at forty-five mm-hmm. degrees, was it, or something ridiculous? Forty-five, 45
0: degrees, something. Yeah, like.
1: land temperature. Like we can't continue on the way we are going. There has to be a serious change, and we have to obviously pay the people that are going to be bringing that change about. So, what do we do? I'm asking. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, you uh, set up the whole platform for discussion about it. <laughs> what? Yeah, do. I don't know. Um, like we need to like have a big look at long term carbon sequestration through farming. Um, we need to look at building resilience ecosystems. So, how do we pay farmers for that? Like, we might not be producing food, but we could be sequestering carbon. Do farmers get paid the same for that? Would they be okay getting paid to do stuff like that? Is it does it align with what they want to do in their job? Because a lot of farmers might not want to have a more passive uh, farming role as well. It's like, so. Yeah. Because well, I don't want to say what I think mm-hmm. the discussions will go like. It's probably best if we get people into a room and just see yeah. what the discussions happen. Yeah. I'd probably throw a lot of money at it, though, because that'll help fix it a bit. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that in some cases it might be a problem to even get people in a room because, you know, like
1: you said, some people don't want to engage at all. It's like, oh, no. yeah, That is a part of it as well. But I think there is genuine want desire for engagement there Um, Mm and I know that some of the platforms like Twitter probably aren't the best to show it but there is people out there that want to talk like a lot of people I think uh, I think farmers are getting a bad rep, and rewilders are getting bad rap, So the two of them got into a room yeah, to get because to these like are like else.
0: a bucket exactly. These are like a bucket terms, right? And, yeah. and they're like oh, all farmers, as if all farmers are the same, right? There are different farmers, and 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 uh, you know, I'm sure you notice that if you if you follow social media, sometimes you see like a vast disagreements between the farmers, and and you see vast disagreements between the rewilders or or you know whatever whatever uh, we we call that group. Um, Listen, just, just, I just want to uh, kind of slowly drift away from the more of a political aspects of it and, and, and talk more, unless there is something you, you, you feel like we should mention still in, in, in relation. Well,
1: oh, I think we're fairly good. I'd say I probably butchered a few of the lines there, but hopefully I didn't annoy anyone too much about my comments.
0: Oh, well, listen, uh, we, we encourage feedback and, uh, and, and uh, if anyone has a feedback, Uh, they know how, where to find me, where to find you and leave the comments and, and knowing you, surely you're not going to leave that unanswered. And, and, and I'm going to chime in as well, uh, with, with, with my views, which I'm, you know, trying to be like, I I really trying to make my, uh, opinion, uh, on it. And, and I was asked, uh, few times, like, yo, Tommy, what do you think? Where, what side you're in? And, and the honest answer is, like, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm listening, and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure
1: it out. Well, um, I mean, just to, just to go back to that, maybe, is where's the wildest place in Europe you've ever been?
0: Uh, it, I think it must be in, in Poland, the Białowieża uh, uh, forest. And could you imagine that in Ireland? Uh No.
1: No, why not?
0: But, but but you know, but the it, it might be purely kind of uh mental laziness on my on my on my part. You know, um it's it's just it's so vast. It's 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 a lot of and we even had that discussion last night about uh animals moving freely within the continent of Europe where where um Ireland i think and 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 great britain island of great britain and and the island of ireland are, are, are you know there are islands, so other than you know magpies being blown or something like that you you have no option of of wild animals crossing and you know uh, I've seen what was happening in Poland, you know, with wolves, with bear, with with you know, all, all, you know, it, it was interesting because a couple of years ago I was I, I went to Poland specifically to um, photograph and observe brown bear, right? And and we were we were based literally 500 meters from Ukrainian border, and it was like okay. a you know, three countries, borders or three countries coming together, and, and those animals are roaming freely. And, you know, in, in Ukraine, you can hunt bear, in Poland, you cannot hunt bear, and these bears are moving around, and you see their behaviors. And that's, uh, that's, that's very interesting. Other thing with Białowieża is that this is one of the um, places that were actually never destroyed. So, and, and, you know, I know that the, it seems like there are powers in Polish government that are hell-bent on destroying that, after all. Um, but, you know, like, Ireland is, is kind of, it, there's not a lot of wildlife. That's, yeah, that's, something, that's something that was mentioned casually to me. You know, I live in Ireland for 13 years now. And I think that was something that was mentioned that just casually by one of my friends you know just up a couple of years uh once I, once I settled and i never you know thought about it a lot because i kind of accepted that this is how it is right and and then you meet people like Fogarty and, and you read his book and he's like oh you know hang on a minute that that's actually and i think that also that's a part of because it's it's kind of small place and and it's it's easier to destroy maybe that you know that, that that these are my thoughts
1: well i don't know like i think maybe if if you could picture that old woodland in ireland you're kind of halfway there to rewilding like i hope one day we'll have something like that i'm not entirely sure what it will look like mm-hmm. Um but that's kind of just something that looks after itself um Obviously, uh, the size of the woodland, I'm not entirely sure how big it is. Ireland's 86,000 kilometers squared. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it'll ever have something as big and as pristine as that. But we should be aiming for something as self-willed as that woodland. Mm -hmm. And it'd be great to see in Ireland, like, what you brought up there about the... Ireland not having a lot of uh, wildlife, wildlife. Um. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't realize that like we're kind of immune to the sterile environment we have outside. Like Mm -hmm. when I was growing up until I was probably eight or nine, I thought Sitka plantations were native woodland because I just saw them everywhere where I was as a kid. Like it was like, oh, we're going into the woods and we're going to it. And I'd be like, kind of strange the way there's nothing in here, like in the other films you see around the place. Like, and you're just running through dark woodlands going, what, what's this like but then you see maybe I don't know what's the first wild thing I've ever seen in my life I was a kid I'd say probably foxes around the sheep mm-hmm. Um, that was it like that kind of gets you hooked and you're like oh there's foxes what does that do and then you kind of look around and you go what else is there mm-hmm. but like we have so little and people just kind of I don't I think they are limited by what they think we can have like we could have what's in I can't pronounce the name. I'm terrible at the pronunciation. I'm sorry. We could have what's there. Like, we could. There's no reason we couldn't. I know it is old woodland, but we plan to know and come back in about 500 years and see where we are. Like, there's no reason why we couldn't attempt to even wish for it.
0: Yeah. No, no, ab- absolutely. Uh, and again, I think that all, this all starts with, um, you know, setting aside the land for that and on the, you know, uh, in a fair manner, and, and with a buy-in from, from all the stakeholders and, and owners of the, of the land, you know. Um, it's an interesting thing that, that, you're, that, you're, that you're asking me and that, you, you know, that where that conversation is going because I remember um, when I started hill walking and I was walking on the hills and that was, again, uh, kind of my, my feeling was like, well, I'm probably not going to see any wildlife right and that struck me as kind of odd because I'm in in this kind of like a remote wild in air quotes place but I'm not even expecting to see any wildlife right and then I'm coming to the to the peak of the hill and there are like a bunch of sheep there it's like oh (laughs) now I'm not gonna find the wildlife right (laughs) because it's clearly the sheeps are crazy
1: (laughs) it's just crazy though that we kind of not that we accept it, but it's just that that's what we think is our wildlife. Like, uh, no, that's the thing <laughs> in life, It's like that's it's just it's it's. I'd love to do a study on it just to see how much that kind of affects people's perception of nature. Like, mm-hmm. does not seeing it, you're not going to want it back. Like, that's probably another thing as well with the rewilding. His count is just to get the discussion going mm-hmm. and to like make people aware. Like when I started off the account, I did ask the questions about. What would you think about the wolves in Ireland? What would you think about the, um? oh, what else do we have? I'm asked about oh, the now. I think I asked, yeah, the boar, yeah. Um, the lynx, kind of, Cape Cayley, like all these animals. And a lot of people didn't know that like some of them were native at a point in time. Like we had the wildcats as well for a while. Like mm-hmm. yep. what do we do? Like do we just leave them out forever? It's just, yeah. I don't know. Like I, you, even yourself, like you can imagine the be a, be as well, as though. Sorry. Um, yeah, okay, so that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't imagine that in Ireland, but like that was here at one stage. Like, Absolutely. You know I'm to yeah. say? Like, it's, just, it's kind of crazy the disconnects we have from what was here and what we could have again because we're looking at it at this point in time going, no, that can't be possible. Do you know, I'm not giving out like grand and I'm just saying it's kind of, it's just crazy that we limit ourselves in it's, our imagination.
0: It's a change, you know, and, and that's, you know, I'm loving that conversation because I just thought about something that... Um, it's a little bit like, we're, you know, a little bit on, 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 the, on, the, on the part that I'm looking into outdoors activities. There's across the world, there is dropping recruitment of hunters. There's less and less hunters. And I think this is part of the exact same uh, kind of trend that people that in in general hunters are people who like to be in the woods they like nature they like to be there they like to see the animals they like to interact with it they like to know what deer and fox and wolf and boar and whatever animals are doing and what time of the year they have young and whatever right and there's a less and less and you know you can you can blame PlayStation always on it but now my thinking is that this is kind of the same trend that that people are kind of pushed into the uh, you know cities and they're kind of pushed into the you know everything is kind of normalized there's a concrete there's a pathway and there's a car park and here's I'm getting food from this box I'm getting food and in this box I can you know get my ass into the water and I'm going there just to move my body a little bit because <laughs> you know all the way. and and it seems like in general we are moving away from that
1: you know yeah so what a lot of famous kind of ecologists would call that is the the kind declining baseline syndrome we -hmm. just have less and less and we just take that as standard so like you look out and you see a few sheep you don't see any deer like you're not going to go out there to go hunting you're like oh it's only sheep out there now you're kind of disconnected what's fine to go now stalking deer for a day if Mm -hmm. you're going to find only one and you're going to miss the shot not that you miss nowhere anything, mm-hmm. but like that kind of thing like in ireland you probably could just turn around and find the deer but like what's what's exciting to go out there that you can't um play on playstation like you yeah can go on playstation now get less wet, and it's probably more exciting because there's more in it whereas we go outside and there's a rake of deer a rake of sheep and a burns hillside yeah. like that's it yeah.
0: do you feel sometimes like it's an uphill battle
1: Oh yeah, like I don't work in the environments kind of industry at the minute, I'm in the sector, I'm in industry at the minute, um, it's I'm probably a bit more separated than if others, um, parts of rewilding is to get involved in the conversation again, um, it is an uphill battle, like I've had conversations with friends and they go, oh we don't want wolves in Ireland kind of thing just having a casual conversation over that and just kind of explaining through everything like explaining kind of the, the Trophic Cascade video, do you know the Yellowstone um, yeah. video George Mombiot? Um that was a very helpful tool for kind of talking it through with friends, but then you get the questions like, oh we don't have any space for them, the farmers will never want them here. And you're like, that's nothing to do with actually bringing wolves back here, that's more kind of a people element to it, and they're like, yeah, but we can't do it. I was like, why can't we do it, like can we not just have the conversation kind of thing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They go no, no. We need hundreds and hundreds of kilometers squared, and you're like, we actually only need thirty kilometers squared core area with good in it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but the farmers. And then you're like, well, obviously we kind of talk to the farmers and see what they want, and they're like, no, you just can't do it. And you're like, okay. <laughs> it, it is very frustrating and kind of circular.
0: Yeah. Before we go, before we get into that, like a big rewilding. Um, what's your what's your what what is your view on the on the the so-called micro rewilding like you know leave the part of their 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 lounge kind of not cut in like these, these little things
1: i'm a massive fan of it like uh, this kind of goes back to the philosophy kind of comment. so you have your restoration and then you have the rewilding parts of it so it is the philosophy behind it, it kind of like if you can rewild your backyard with a pond uh wall full of ivy or something and just leave it for the bugs that's perfect like I, I'm very much in favor of it. It's bringing nature back into people's lives. So it's only a positive thing. Um, I, I do wish there was kind of more resources and more kind of mainstream media coverage of it. Like we don't see in gardening shows how to build wildlife sanctuaries in your back garden. Like a lot of people, I was thinking about this the other day, a lot of people feed the birds in their back garden, but not a lot of people kind of plant the seeds to attract the insects or give the berries for the birds. So yeah. kind of that's I I don't know what paradox of it. like they want nature there but they're not setting up nature properly like if you can plant uh fruit and bodies uh fruit and trees out in your um, garden and feed the birds that's perfect that is rewilding to a degree in your own kind of back garden big fan of it yeah do you get what I'm trying to say there like it brings it makes people more aware of their nature like a lot of people over lockdown even as well have got into bird watching out the back garden Mm. and a lot of people now are like feeding the birds and everything. Like, so I'm hoping that can kind of grow into feeding the birds, feeding the insects, the badgers, the foxes kind of things, like having the proper trees out the back garden, having yeah. a pond for t- frogs and everything. Like, it can grow that way.
0: Yeah. I think this is, you know, this is, again, going back to what we said earlier, that for, for, for generations uh, it was struggle against the nature. right? You, were, you, you had to fight against the nature and kind of convert that woodland into the field where you can run your sheep and and you had to fight against wolves and other animals so they not eat your sheep and so on. And and at, at some point, and I think that we are starting to, I believe that we are starting to convert from, oh, we're fighting against this to... To keep alive to start like well now we need to fight to actually not lose all of it
1: yeah because we are so
0: good at it that now we you know like we're gonna run out and we don't have any anything left so I, I, I think it's changing and I'm yeah, glad that's you one, said that you're like a fan of like this micro rewilding you know I like I'm a that.
1: huge fan of it I think it's great if people show an interest like one of the main things I got questions on when I started the account was people asking what can they do with the rack garden and everything like so it is great to see that enthusiasm there because that just grows especially if you kids see that out their background that's just going to grow into an appreciation of nature more and more as you grow exactly back. exactly
0: and like like you said this, this is going to probably take generations uh to change the, change the mindset um listen let's 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 just jump into because i i want to go through uh, a couple of uh of uh kind of like a uh, sta- staples of rewilding, and 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 you you already mentioned wolves, uh, and you know we might as well start with the wolves, knowing good and well that maybe that's that's probably not the first step, but let's let's start let's start from the big one. Um, I,
1: I think wolves are the first step, um, if we want to do it right. Now a lot of people can disagree with me, and they're probably right to disagree with me, but I think. Um, looking at what we need to do in Ireland to kind of fix nature, like we need to have a big national transformative projects. And um, you see a lot of the stuff we're doing now. I don't know um, if I can think of any examples off the top of my head, but like maybe the tree planting. Do you know the government programme to plant four hundred and forty million trees? Yeah, they were cica the trees. That's commercial forestry in the end. So like that's no benefit. But if they were planting woodland for a rewilding project to house wolves they have to plant a specific type of tree so the reason i say wolves are probably the first step is it's a targeted end goal so we're not doing something just for the sake of doing this there's no loose goals there that are open to kind of interpretation with the 440 million trees so if we're planting trees for wolves we have to plant a specific type of tree in a specific type of place people have to kind of get paid first um, to get paid to do the right thing, basically. We can't just do commercial forestry if we're bringing in wolves. It's an umbrella project, I call it, the whole time. So if we were to do it, we have to address conflicts. We have to address land ownership. We have to address how we're bringing in the wolves and importing them. Uh, We have to address what else we're bringing in. We have to address prey control. We have to address our national parks and fund them properly. We have to look at human wildlife conflicts. We have to look at agriculture, agriculture, we have to look at everything if we're bringing in walls. We can't just go, we're bringing in walls. You might get that with, let's say, if we're bringing in the Caper Cayley. You wouldn't get the same level of dialogue and the same project you would if you were bringing in the walls. Like the Caper needs huge um, pine forests, and that are, I'm trying to think now in case I say anything wrong, it's, they feed in Scott's Pine. and they need to have mesopredator control. What else is there needs to be? That kind of be it. So you plant your Scots pine, you control Corvid and Fox numbers. That's it. You could probably do it in an area in Clarny National Park, Wicklow National Park or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're bringing in the wolves, you have to talk to the whole country. The whole country has to be on board with Rewilding. Like there's, yeah. If you get what I'm trying to say here, like there's no way you cannot address any potential problem with a wolf free introduction so that's why i think it's probably one of the first ones we should look at or at least work to now obviously within that we're not releasing them we stay on a monday we're going to release them and we release them on tuesday it's there's a process there like so we have to kind of set aside the parkland first we have to talk to farmers make sure they're okay get the corridors built up if the farmers want to do it then we have to maybe look at bringing in other animals, like um, maybe the lynx is part of a wolf reintroduction, maybe the boar is part of a wolf reintroduction. So we need to have that conversation as well. So it's an iterative process where we'll eventually get to the wolf as the end goal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, make- it's interesting because it's not the first step, but I, I kind of, and you said like, oh, it is the first step, but we actually meant the same thing. Yeah, it's not but- like the first step that, number one, we cut loose a bunch of wolves, and then step two, we, we're going to figure out what, what's next. It's like, no, 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 no. It's a first step, but it's a last step within the first step. You know Exactly, yeah. but
1: it is your end goal at all times. It's your end goal. You're I think one of the problems we have in Ireland um, is that we don't say what we want, basically, with projects. We go, oh, we're going to plant trees, and then when we plant the trees, we're going to like release the walls there. Like, they're two separate projects. If you're releasing walls, you have to plant the trees that will grow eventually. Not that wolves need woodland, but um, they just need prey and there's enough deer in the greater Dublin region to do that. Um, so you need to look at what your end goal is and then build the project from that. There's no other project in Ireland that would have the same scope and incorporate all the things we need to incorporate mm-hmm. with, uh, as wolves said.
0: Listen. So let, let, me, let me play a devil's advocate for, for a moment. And why why would we do that so what is the benefit of having wolves on the landscape other than it's cool to have a wolves on the landscape right it's nice to have them we can maybe observe them maybe we can you know video them it's cool i mean man there are wolves out there right um and You know, you may say like, oh, it's all nice, but it's like, why would you spend all that money and effort on such a massive transformative project if the end goal is like, "Ah, look, cool, right? (laughs) You might go somewhere else when they're already there and photograph them there and not invest all that money here and spend all this money on something else, you know, like education or or healthcare and so on and so on. So how would you answer to that?
1: Well, why does... Why, who's the benefit for? Does the benefit have to be for people?
0: Well, that's a, that's a, that's a question, and, and you know that the answer is usually yes. That's how, that's, it's, the, that's how we get there, right? This is how we get where we are, because the whole, whole extinction, the whole you know dewilding, let's say, was driven just by that, by benefit for people. And, and in fairness, this is something that was, that was mentioned over and over. Oh, people need to benefit. Farmers need to benefit. From that, right? So that that aspect is there.
1: It is there, but the 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 overarching benefit does it have to be for people? Like, can we not just have nature in the country again? Like, there has to be. It can't be. It cannot not be a benefit for people that will be directly impacted by it. So, if we're bringing in wolves, rural communities, agricultural communities will have to have their say, and they'll have to be ensured that their way of life is protected like you can't degrade anyone else's way of life just by bringing in an animal so Mm. i suppose the question is like what else do we get we're bringing in wolves we get restored woodlands we get reduced deer numbers eventually we don't know that we're guaranteed it but it's a pretty safe bet Mm. we get other animals back we get extensive farming that will benefit other um Species in danger. So, like with wolves, you get meso predator control. You get extensive farming. So that's your curlew, your corn crake, yeah. um, lapwing. These animals that are impacted by human activity and mesopredators. At the minute, we get those back, and um, we'll probably have wetland restoration as part of a nationally transformative rewilding project. So then you've flood retention. You're um, you're uh, restoring the bogs in the Midlands. So then there's more employment there for people like. You, there's plenty of benefit there. It's maybe not one overarching benefit just for bringing back the wolves, but there is loads of benefits and opportunities within a nationally transformative rewilding yeah. project.
0: Yeah. So, so in other words, uh, we, we create a lot of opportunities for, for people
1: and, so many opportunities. and we
0: have a kind of restored ecosystem and, and nature
1: as a bonus almost yes. to, all, to all that going on. There is so much opportunity in it. Like I could probably stay here for an hour just listing off things. I'd have to write them down because I'd probably say the same things twice. But there is so much opportunity in basically returning to nature a bit at the minute. Mm-hmm. Like if we look at it, like there was droughts this year, and um, droughts happened last year i think it was 2018 as well was a drought yeah. so oh i guess that, off, that's that.
0: a trajectory that we're, we're on we will have yeah, those droughts so in the next you know 10 years year after year after year that's where it's going
1: right exactly so maybe we look at extensive farming that uses more of a natural gra- grass mix that way the deeper roots so the grass does not die off you can still um, you can still graze cattle on it Um i'm mm-hmm. not an expert here now so I might be not saying it properly, but like if we look at something like that, that's more extensive farming, it's not intensive farming. Mm-hmm. So, like could that be done? People get uh, grants for doing farming like that, and that also protects the curlew and everything. Mm-hmm. You see, like you need to start asking the questions this way. Like, I'm not a farmless bird, so I'm not able to answer them, but is there things we can do that'll benefit nature and benefit farmers as well? Like, there is so much opportunity there,
0: yeah, yeah. Did you see, also, uh Benefits and opportunities in the tourism uh, area. Yeah,
1: so there probably is a lot of benefit there in the tourism industry. I don't know where that's going to go with COVID now. That's kind of probably going to have a lasting impact on travel across the world. So it's there is benefit there. I just I don't know what it will look like yeah. next year.
0: Maybe um, I, I might just get it delayed by. by yeah, but there's COVID. even
1: like the permaculture benefits and stuff like as well. If we were going into woodlands and um foraging basically for more natural products we have like old oak uh, products could be made like we had oak woodlands across the country where we could uh with continuous cover and fell um once occasionally like you have a serious market there for like mm-hmm. products made from naturally made yeah environmentally beneficial oak
0: yeah yeah um listen so so we're 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 talking about wolf now, your what are your views on on bringing back wild boar? You, I'm all for it. I yeah, I, I'm expecting that. But you, you know, like you you see this as a part of bringing back wolves, or or you you know would you would you imagine to uh, bringing boar before before wolves, or or after, or kind of like in a package as a, you know source of food for them? Because um, like a, in the wild boar, you know whatever were way you turn, you either hear like how great they are for environment and how they're doing nothing but benefits uh, for the environment, or like, no, they're destroying habitat, they're destroying the ground nesting birds, they're destroying everything, it's <laughs> like, very
1: yes. Yeah. so Borg is a bad rep um, across the, the world, really, um, well, here in the UK, as far as I can see. Um, Basically the current status of the boar in Ireland is the feral hybrid boar are deemed invasive, not the actual boar themselves, although the recommendation by the National Biodiversity Centre is to have a conversation on whether or not boar should be deemed native. I personally think they're native because they've co evolved with all our plant species and animal species. Mm-hmm. So they can only have a they they can only have an impact. That they've evolved to have on the environment. That being said, though, if we don't release them properly with the proper predators to keep them moving, they can be destructive, as seen in the Forest of Dean. They're kind of very destructive there. Like they are destructive animals, but that's part of the natural balance and ecosystem. And um, they're great in areas where rhododendron was cleared. Like if you clear an area of rhododendron, they will literally not let any rhododendron go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really good for bringing back native plants because it was a study released. Oh, I, do, I can't remember the name. I meant to look it up during the week. Sorry. Um, there was a study released that showed after 30 years, areas that were cleared of rhododendron didn't actually have the same floral richness as places that didn't have rhododendron. So like they could be a post um, clearance management tool. If um, um, they were released, let's say in Clarney National Park, you could clear it. One of the major problems they have is seed setting again and coming back. So if there was more there, we'd probably keep areas clear of rhododendron and stuff like yeah. that. So there is benefits there. I can understand why people don't want them. Um, I I think we need to maybe have a look at why people don't want them and have a discussion around that. But to me, bring them back. Bring them back with the wolf.
0: Yeah, yeah, in a package, right? Uh, yeah. We had, we again we have we had a conversation a good, good few weeks ago about wild boars and and again on Twitter. Um, and, and a, a few farmers were involved, and I think Paul Fogarty was involved in that conversation as well. It was it was, it was quite good, and a lot of information there. Um, and you know, my thing is like, there is this uh, like whether it was native or where it wasn't native, and do we have a bones, and do we not? You know, do we have an archaeological record? And uh yeah, maybe they were hybrid, maybe they were brought back, brought you know from the continent. And you know, you got you gotta think like realistically, what would need to happen for them to not be in Ireland? Like, this is, this is where I'm coming from. Like, like the, the, knowing how expansive they are, knowing that the, uh, you know, both, both islands were connected to the, to the mainland Europe at some point, I guess the correct question would be not, you know, what would have to happen for them to be here is It's the other way around, like, what, natural disaster, whatever would have to happen, so we no didn't have a bar. Right?
1: Exactly. Like they definitely I, I think they were here based on my study of it. Um I know the bones are hard to distinguish and everything, so there is the question over it. But I think they were definitely here. Like if we had wolves without deer for Four thousand years—we definitely they were feeding on something, so it probably was wild boar. Well,
0: exactly. That's exactly that's exactly the point that and and you know that's something I would like to dig deep deeper into, uh, and and maybe I we I will be able with with some interesting guests towards the end of the year, uh, where I heard that that um, when it comes to wolf, there is a still an unanswered question: what what those wolves were feeding on and like the the one of the possible answers is like wild boar because otherwise yeah. there was not enough stuff to eat for wolves
1: yeah no it's i haven't spread too much into it recently i think i did a bit of reading into it a few years ago but it's, it has to be more yeah they can't they can't be eating antelopes and sustain enough population like they did yeah
0: okay i have i have two more i have two more species i want to talk to you about and, and then a bonus So let's say let's say we have we are going fast forward fifty years, or maybe twenty, or maybe sixty. We have uh, wolves in Ireland. We have wild boar. We have a system in place that kind of works for farmers. It's always kind of because you know never everybody is never a situation when everybody is happy. Let's say we have those, the, those cornerstone species, we have wolf, we have bear. What did you say about bear? Would you, would you go that far and, and bring back bear?
1: So I, I'm for everything. Basically, I'm full of really my, what I see with rewilding is filling the whole trophic, um, every trophic level and every niche in the ecosystem you can. Um, the bear would be a hard one to sell, I haven't done the research into it yet. Um I'm not even sure of the ranges, but it is a possibility. Like we can't knock it on the heads There's benefit to it probably. Mm-hmm. Um if I say probably there's definitely benefit to it. I just don't know what the benefit is. Um I I I'm for it. I can't speak too much on it because I haven't got there yet. It's hard enough to remember the wolf facts, so I haven't yeah. got to the point yet. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry though, I'll get there eventually.
0: Okay, good, good. No, like a, like a bear is, uh, you, you know, like I tell you what's my, my, my uh, uh, benefit or why, why I would like boar, you know, like bear in Ireland. In like when you're coming back at night to your car, whatever you were doing in the woodlands, and you're going through the woods, and you know that the bear lives there, That gives you like a very special feeling (laughs) when you're walking through the woods and when you finally see your car, it's like, yes, I made it. But I know it's very selfish and not everybody would like to, you know, experience this sort
1: of the emotions. (laughs) But that's something that's said so often is how people feel when they're walking home at night in places where there's predators. A lot of people I've talked to have said it makes them feel alive, like you're walking around with, like, a stick in your hand or something just to, like, make sure you'll be okay just in case. Like, But some people, like, they love that, the feeling of, I, I don't know, how would you describe the feeling? What would you say it is? It's not fear. It's nervousness. It, nervous. it, is,
0: it, is, it, is it is a fear, you know? I think you know i think that a lot of and and this is this is maybe uh tying to our earlier conversation what we said earlier about you know how people feel about nature and so on people are too cocky people are too cocky and and, and i think it it you know um it makes it it makes people better when they're humbled and when they have a little bit this you know Humbleness in their lives, and and when you're walking through the through the woods, and you know you're like you're not the, you know, on top of the food chain here, right? It it makes you. Here I say a better person, I and mean, when like it, it you know you're 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 almost I almost go as far as to say like you interact with other human beings differently. When you're you, you know it's a little bit like in martial arts when you're training and, you know, you beat up people, but you're also getting beat up and then you're humbled and then you see other human being a little bit different. You see another human being with greater respect. And I almost feel like this is kind of this feeling, you know? There's like, you know, there are, there are other bigger things out there and it's not like I'm this, you know, mega king of everything and like everything needs to be given to me, you know? So exactly this, is, this is how I would describe it.
1: And if you tie that back in, let's say if you um live in the countryside, like you're less likely to cut down a tree or a rake of trees because you understand this feeds the birds, the birds feed the, the wolves, the wolves feed the bear kind of thing, even though that's a very bad food chain, but just something off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Like you start to realize that you're a part of it and your actions will have implications further on down the food chain. Then I come back to get you like if you get rid of a bear's food supply like that bear's coming looking for food somewhere else like so you kind of think of where you are and what's your relationship to everything else and it is respect for the land to a degree like you understand your role in it and how you contribute and what what is expected of you at a bare minimum like yeah
0: yeah we almost the- we almost kind of circling into the another subject that was that was uh discussed on the podcast many times which is benefits for mental health outdoors and benefits of the outdoors for mental health so you're almost kind of circling into that that overall you know it improves your mental health you're kind of going a little bit back to where you're supposed to be kind of in the nature rather than in a artificial environment of four walls and uh you know luminescent bulbs on the <laughs> you know
1: yeah it's something like it is why i say rewilding is it's restoration with, but with a bit more like there is a philosophical aspect to it as well. And that's probably something that we could look at a bit more is how nature like helps people understand their role and what it does. Some people's health basically like some people feel better when they're out in the woods or wherever and mm-hmm. um, like and how that impacts like and if we live in artificial environments like are we kind of setting ourselves up for failure a bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you know I I feel like a lot of people should experience that, uh, you know, a lot of people who are kind of like living whole uh, their whole life in the city, uh, you know, when you're when you're coming like, many times we go our our buddy is running a fishing lodge. The moment you kind of step outside the car from that fishing lodge, you, you kind of like almost have this feeling like everything slows down, as they like you relax, your body relaxes, everything slows down, you know, and you. And you see your fishing guy kind of walking slowly in his wellies saying, Hey, how are you doing guys? And this is such a, uh, you know, contrast with, a, this high pace life that you have in, a, in, a, in, a, in, the cities. Um, listen, Dave, I have one more thing that I would like to ask, but I'm not sure if you, if, you know, if you don't, if you don't know a whole pile about it, then, then it's, it's okay. But, uh, you mentioned wildcats and yeah, um, I you know and going back to uh that you know all the rewilders and all the farmers cannot be thrown in one bucket because these are groups who who differs. Uh, I think it was over a year ago at this point. I noticed very interesting um again conversation, let's say, where um I think it came from from Irish Wildlife Trust account where they say that, oh, they would be in favor of bringing back wild cats because they were native species and so on. And boy, that didn't go well with all the bird people. You know, and they were just up in arms, like, is this official statement from Irish Wildlife Trust? It's like, you know, I could, I could almost see all those memberships being cancelled <laughs> by this unfortunate statement. Do you have any opinions on that?
1: Yeah. I have to be careful, though, how I say this. So, basically, the Wildcat would have been here at some stage. Like, we have the domesticated cat in Ireland at the minute. A lot of people let them out and let them hunt at night time. Um, it's not really clear how much impact this has on the landscape. I'd say there's a bit of an impact, a good bit of an impact. Um, I don't particularly agree with people letting domesticated cats out, but mm-hmm. that impact is there already. So to guess, get annoyed had the possible reintroduction of a, once native species that fulfills a similar niche. Mm-hmm. I think we need to look at why there would be an impact. Is that an indication of a broken ecosystem? Um, Like the wildcat in Scotland, it's one of its biggest threats is hybridization. But mm-hmm. if the wildcat is there in woodlands, what impact does that have on birds? Like what impact does that have on the native fauna there? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think... I don't think anything can. What's the best way to say this? Though, basically, I don't think anything can have an impact in a full ecosystem. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say. Yeah. If everything's yeah, there, you're yeah, not going to have, I mean, an have
0: a, So essentially, you're saying like, if you if you have a healthy ecosystem, then every 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 piece have its has its place and. and every piece it, has its
1: place exactly. Like I don't. I think um, somebody on Twitter said. Um, you won't have invasives in a full ecosystem. Like there's no space for them to get in. Like the more Mm -hmm. full an ecosystem is, the more robust it is, the more less likely it is to be shaken and broken up. So that's kind of where I'd kind of put that question is, if we bring in a wildcat, is the ecosystem there to support it? Do we need to fix the ecosystem that's there to support it? If it has an impact bigger than its presence, is that an indication that the ecosystem is broken? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, a little bit like so, essentially, a little bit like with the wolves. You know, you're, you're there, they're not just bring a bunch of wildcats and cut them loose. No, so the next like, thing the they're, they're gonna hybridize with the, with the house cats, and there, there's there's go your rewilding, right?
1: Like, the wildcat will probably be a more difficult reintroduction than the wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it. yeah, like I think that and um, the hybridization, yeah, because think about what your who your stakeholders are in that. So if we're bringing in the wolf, we obviously have our rural communities. We have the agricultural, we have foresters and woodlands. Um, you don't really go to your urban centers mm-hmm. use, so or the domesticated pets. Mm-hmm. But like once you're doing wildcats, you have all these people, but then you have the domesticated pets. So you have to bring in a program and probably you have to look at getting an estimate or some sort of... um. S- uh, system set up to like record all cats track them make sure that people can't leave their cats outside anymore for fear of hybridization or um mm-hmm. basically being uh attacked by wild cats or attacking wild cats like that's that's a major cultural shift like that's a huge cultural shift if you think about it like people just let their cats outside like farm cats run around farms the whole times and everything like mm-hmm. that couldn't go on if you had wild cats like um Obviously there's other stuff as well, like um again, the the habitats for wildcats, that'd be a hard one. They'd have to be robust um pieces of woodland that you'd necessarily wouldn't need with wolves straight away. So you're looking at a delayed reintroduction, so you'd have to mm-hmm. have your woodland first and then eventually put the mm-hmm. wildcat in, whereas with wolves kind of the woodland would come with the wolves as they'd kinda of keep the deer moving and everything like so there is a lot more work in a Wildcat reintroduction than there is in a um, Wolf reintroduction, in my opinion anyway. Like Obviously, the scale is different. Mm-hmm. You'd have a lot more people on a Wolf reintroduction, but for a Wildcat reintroduction, you'd probably only do two or three locations in the country, and there'd be an awful lot of work in it.
0: Right. That's very interesting. I, I, ne- I never expected that answer, but that, that's. The, I'm glad I asked it. Um, so you you think that the... Introduction of lynx would be easier than wildcat because yeah. you don't have a hybridization uh, issue and is that just like a bigger predator? Not well,
1: that that is a hybridization issue, it's that it's, it's not a hybridization issue, it's a people, mm-hmm. kind of the stakeholder issue. Like, so you need people's support for this, like, and mm-hmm. you're asking for your huge cultural change there to ask people not to let their cats out mm-hmm. or to...
0: Do you think do you think that the, the you know cat lady from Dublin would be opposing reintroduction of wildcats? I think you you would find a lot of support from this sort of uh, you know. Uh, I don't think
1: I, I think you'd I think that'd be more difficult if it oh. reintroduction. Oh, I like, don't in the comments concerned. on this, but like just thinking it through, like if you think about the wolf, like what do we need with the wolf? We just need a huge area and we need corridors. We need like at core areas all across the country, which are national parks probably, you need your corridor set up. So you're setting up schemes of farmers to make sure it's extensive farming. You Mm -hmm. need to set up systems to make sure that um, any farmers that lose livestock, even though it'd be relatively small, they'd probably be, if the prey was good, and that they're paid for it. Um, I think studies in Germany show it's only 3% of diet Mm -hmm. is um, livestock, so you set that up. So that's three things. You then do your education and your um, your education and your basically information programs where people become aware of what to do when you meet a wolf, kind of thing. Like you know, with Yellowstone the bear, this mm-hmm. they have do not approach a bear back way kind of thing. So you kind of build that into the public and um, thing. You pick your wolves. That's probably something that's not talked enough about in Ireland. Like where do we take the wolves from, and mm-hmm. um, what kind of effect that has on their behavior. Um, not that you'd see too much of effects with the wolves that are in Europe at the minute, so you 're doing that but with, with the that could happen like you release them, the trees would come later, the benefits of the wolves would come from the cascade down, but with wild cats like it's it 's a very tricky one, like you can build your woodland like you 're there for twenty years, letting the trees grow in a certain area. The cats might not like it, but you 've put all your woodlands into that particular area, so the cats move on. Thirty kilometers down the road, to where there's no woodland, so they're in like a semi-populated area with wild uh, domesticated cats. There, there's um, could be chickens that mm-hmm. that kind of thing, like that you haven't accounted for. Like, so then you're into like another stakeholder that wasn't accounted for in the initial program mm-hmm. for reintroduction. So, like, that's kind of why I see it as a bigger kind of reintroduction. But then on the flip side of that, if we reintroduce wolves nationally and then reintroduce the wildcat into pockets of woodland that have been developed, like you've a much higher chance of success there. Yeah. Do you know where I'm coming from there? Like, So yeah. that's kind of how I see it. Like one thing I'd love to do in Ireland, but I see it as a huge issue, is bring back the corn bunting. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know the bird, the corn bunting?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: heard it. Yeah, so, extinct since the 1980s, I'd love it to bring the bird back because it's a farmland bird. I think that one of the keys for it was... Um, winter cereal cover but that's like a huge thing to do in itself you need to build in systems to pay farmers to keep the cover on the ground and everything you mm-hmm. need to source the birds they're like fairly low in england as well at the minute but like that's one of the programs i'd love to do uh, or mm-hmm. sea be done in ireland but um but hedgerows are important as well but like it's such a big job in itself because it's so specific to an area that's like it's not it's it's a big job. Like you're more concentrated area, more kind of concentrated stakeholders, and it won't be given the same kind of appreciation that a national project like Wolves would see. Yeah,
0: you know, it it makes me think that it might be good foot in the door because you know if you're if you're introduced, you know, bird or or like let's say species of bird, you know, people more more likely to notice that. It's like oh look at that, how nice. And then they are connect that to this, like, oh, because we have this rewilding going on, right? Let's keep going because this is so nice, right? And that will, make you know, give it, like, a better public perception of these sort of projects.
1: Yeah, so the Red Kites in um, Wicklow and North Dublin, they'd kind of be a project that would be looked on as a good success. Like the eagles in Ireland, there was a few issues there. I missed the, there was a speech on during the week uh, by the Birdwatch meat ranch on this. One of the highlights I saw from it was that um they looked at the areas in the 90s for the reintroduction of the eagles. But by the time they got around to introducing the eagles in the 2000s, the areas had actually degraded and the prey was gone. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why conflicts arose. So that kind of goes to, yeah, the point I was making about the wildcats, you need these specific areas, but you're no guaranteed the cats stay there. So are they going to be good in 20 years when you're hoping to bring the reintroduction and everything? I see where you're coming from for the kind of the quick win to get people mm-hmm. on site. But would a quick win address everything in a rewilding program?
0: No, no, like, certainly not. But it would like, you like put it on the map. That's my, that's, that's my, that's my point. You know, you you would have more people who were, understand it and see the value that is outside of uh, you know my payment value it's like oh well, it's cool you know we have-
1: yeah I, I know you're coming from there um I, I don't know what could be a smaller project to get people inside though mm-hmm. that would have the same elements as a wolf introduction. do you mm-hmm. get what i'm kind of coming from here like i don't think yeah. there's anything yeah as transformative as a wolf introduction in ireland now oh, obviously
0: for sure. For sure. That, that, that would be a big That would be a big one. That would be a big Yeah.
1: One. Um, I don't listen, know. Yeah. I don't think
0: yeah. Listen, um, it's, it's, it's excellent conversation. And one last thing I want to ask you about, um, you don't, you don't, so one of the things that I personally have, uh, I'm not comfortable with some of the rewilding movement is that it feels to me like like the way it operates is you know everything that we have now or most of that what we have now is is bad we need to roll it back to the past and i don't particularly like this this uh idea of like okay let's move back to the past and not move move forward and to be honest i thought you're going to be more of this school of thought but after you know over an hour talking talking with you 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 know that uh, you don't don't come across as as that guy at all you you have this very well thought out and you clearly thinking forward so your 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 views are not like let's let's go back to where we were back in it you you thinking of going forward and rebuilding something going forward rather than just plainly go back Yeah, Um, so do you have any comments on on that on on this sort of uh, attitude of like, oh, everything that we've done for the last you know 100 years is bad and we need to roll back everything?
1: So (laughs) I'd say it's more than 100 years if there are people, you know, or a thousand Um,
0: or or or, you know 12,000, like some say, yeah.
1: So I suppose, like, for me, rewilding is the restoration of self willed land with full trophic levels and a full ecosystem. So I'm I think somebody said it there on Twitter a few weeks ago, and they talked about energy flow, and that kind of resonated with me because it was something that I kind of thought about in my undergrad. So, like, if you look at an ecosystem, it's basically just a food web, but energy flowing through it, and like, there is no waste in an ecosystem. If you really think about it, like, all the energy goes somewhere, and it's all kind of circular. Um, so that's kind of where my view on rewilding is that, like, we should aim for Full ecosystems, self-willed land with full ecosystems. And um, not necessarily the past, like we can't go back to the past, but we can use that as a baseline for what we can have. Like, if we look at, I know that you were saying you might want to talk about this, but megafauna, like, mm-hmm. if we look at that, like, we had megafauna in Europe once upon a time, we had megafauna in Ireland, like, they had a role to play. They evolved over millions of years, and mm-hmm. um, I think some of them were 40 millions of years of evolution and they died in the last 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. So like what effect has that had on the ecosystem sense? Like uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking in terms of, I don't think we should go back. Like I, we can't go back. So I don't think we should be aiming for pristine wilderness because wilderness, a lot of people use it to exclude people. I necessarily don't agree with that. I think people are part of the wilderness. And mm-hmm. um, I think though that we do need to look at building full ecosystems full habitats that's kind of my goal um how we do that and what what is a full ecosystem or full habitat in certain areas that's up for debate. and like i'm not an expert so whoever wants to Mm -hmm. kind of kind of guide me there or guide the conversation that i'm be more than happy to listen but like i think we do need to try and build build new kind of not new, but like full ecosystems. That's kind of my viewpoint. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, uh, it's it's been awesome conversation, David. Uh, as usually uh, at the end, I I, I I ask my guest, is there is there anything that we missed? So is there anything that that you're that you thought we're gonna talk about and we didn't? And so now... I thought we were
1: going to talk about megafauna. Okay, please,
0: to... please talk talk about megafauna.
1: I think we have different opinions on the megafauna and extinction, and like mm. I thought we were going to talk about that. Um, so oh yeah, general, we can, we can, no problem, we can. I, well, I don't know. Like um, I had some notes here prepared and everything just in case you were going to hit uh-huh. me with something. Um. So you don't think that megafauna was human-driven at all, and that we don't need to include this as part of our rewilding kind of not once was, like in the discussion like we should should we or should we not include megafauna
0: yeah well well first of all they're gone so we we don't you know we we can't include them unless unless we're going into some you know genetic experiments so i think that the whole the whole conversation is 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 very much theoretical um and this is this is a part where when we going back so I guess we talk about uh, something that happened within our lifetimes when it comes to you know eradication of wolves or eradication of, of wild boar. It's something that happened within our lifetime, and um, you know, I'm, uh, I fully understand and, and, and can get behind that, especially that, that we have places, still places, not that far away, where those animals are there and we see those ecosystems there. When we're talking about going back to last Pleistocene, um, you know, it's almost discussion about what caused it, whether there were natural causes or whether there were human causes or whether human cause could be counted as a natural cause or maybe not. That's a discussion to be had. Um, But I think regardless, what is our view on that? Um, we moved so far ahead from that point that that we should assume that that baseline already shifted, because we're that you know these baselines are shifting all the time. So you can say like, well, why we want to go only twelve thousand years ago? Maybe we should go thirty thousand years ago. Maybe we should go. You know, maybe we have too much oxygen in the. Uh, in the atmosphere, and we need to be, you know, like eighty percent CO two, which is, by the way, where we're heading. But as it seems, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, so the the baseline has shifted, and I don't I'm I don't think that that this is uh, any any more it's fun conversation to be had. But it's kind of like a you know a conversation. Who would win a fight between Batman and Superman? We ne- just just never never. So so this is this is where where is my my approach to to, to to that to that thing. So if you're talking about megafauna and you're talking about moose and you're talking about caribou and you're talking about uh, buffalo, then yeah, right, because these are animals that we see today in let's say healthier ecosystems and we can bring them back to the to the you know it's almost like let's let's pick the for our climate zone let's pick the healthiest ecosystem there is and and try to 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 bring all the other ecosystems up to that standard or even up it a little bit but i feel like when we're talking about let's go back to the ecosystem that doesn't exist anymore for tens of thousands of years, and we don't even have an animals that because they went extinct, then I feel like this is a step too far. Or maybe not too far, but it's a fun conversation to be had, but I don't think it's, it's any more than that.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Um, I have a slightly different view, and I kind of go back to my point just before with the default ecosystems. Like, I think if you look at it, like, there are still a lot of megafauna out there that has, like, roles. So if we go to Africa, like, the elephants, the giraffes, the big five, like, they all have a role to play. Like, um, mm-hmm. when I think about why would there be a discussion about megafauna in Ireland, like, do you know the corncrake, the little bird? mm mm-hmm. And when that flies back to sub-Saharan Africa every winter, that stays in the forest, but it stays in clearings that are made by the African bush elephant. Mm -hmm. So like when you're thinking about megafauna that way, and we don't have the ecosystem for them, do you you ask yourself, like, is that by design or is that by progression? Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I come in and do we, do we build a full ecosystem with these in them as a model for a thought experiment, or do we actually look at these and go, could they fit into our ecosystems today? Like it is a discussion for something that'll happen a hundred years down the road. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. But I don't think we I don't think we should exclude it from the discussion if we're having like a discussion across the board. Like if we're talking about rewilding mm-hmm. and creating full ecosystems, megafauna are probably a part of that conversation. And it's something that a lot of people don't understand. Like it's something I've only got kind of comfortable with in the last few years. Like up until two thousand sixteen, I was against wolf reintroduction into Ireland. Really? Until, yeah, I was. Wow. Very against it, because um, I was kind of the older school of conservation thought. Um, I was very into like adaptive management as kind of a way to go forward. But um, but till two thousand and eighteen, like I'd never really considered fauna like i've kind of only in the last four or five years got Mm -hmm. into the whole reinstruction thing but Mm -hmm. last two years i've only started to talk about megafauna i think the discussion needs to be had though um it's probably something that people need to look at a bit more to understand the importance of it like the nutrients that got uh, moved around because of them the impacts that had, like I was listening to a podcast there today. I can send it to you afterwards, but mm-hmm. supposedly the saber-toothed Tiger evolves separately over like four or five times over the whole span of the earth. Like, so that is obviously like the peak of design there. If we've got convergent evolution where mm-hmm. uh, that kind of design is coming up again and again. So like the megafauna discussion is something that I think needs to be part of the rewilding discussion just at the very least to see where people understand to educate and maybe have a look at do we need hyena in connemara like that's a conversation that nobody's ever had fully um i don't know what your opinion is on this um maybe no, if we my, my opinion is
0: that like you're yeah. you're about wolf uh prior 2016 uh i i think i think that that geological chapter of history is closed
1: but do you think that the geological chapter is closed but the ecosystem that existed then the remnants of it are still here
0: oh yeah obviously yeah but you know it's it's like it's like with with everything so i suppose there is a there is a question you know where when we when we draw a line and why we decide why we deciding you know sitting right now what is the perfect ecosystem because it's not like oh we have this ecosystem and it was like perfectly stable and not changing and then something happened and now we need to bring it back to that perfect point it was changing all the time so when you're saying like oh i would love you know if i can wave the magic wand and I would like to have an ecosystem, you know, prior younger Dryas, right? Then the next, like, why, why there? Why not, you know, 100,000 years earlier even? Or maybe even, you know, so at some, at some point, this is all changing and, and I am not comfortable with us sitting here, like us as humans and saying like, now that point in time was a perfect point in time and we need to bring everything back to that point in time uh because that was great, like well no it is it is changing, so I think that at some point we have to accept the change, and this is what was happening many times throughout the history of the of the earth, like the organisms were dying the the uh the the composition of atmosphere and gases were changing and 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 things were unstable, and they were then trying to stabilize, and they were like more or less stable, and then something else was changing. So I don't think everything, anything, ever gonna be like 100 percent stable, um, no, no. and and so you know it's it's almost like a part of, of me, like I said, being uncomfortable of picking you know pick pick the time where where we need to bring it back, like well we need to bring back to you know twelve thousand years ago. No, no, we need to bring it back like thirty thousand years ago. It's like well,
1: what is why, that? The, why
0: are we why the doing theory. that? Let's, why not move forward because. You know, if you reverse that and you think, like, from now, from this point that we are at now, you go, you know, 100,000 years forward, you know, if we're not going to wreck the planet completely, there are probably going to be new forms that will evolve. or Or maybe if we wreck the planet and kind of remove ourselves from the ecosystem, then some other form will evolve going forward. And it's like, well, so... You know, you understand that you're in a, on a on a uh, time frame on a on a scale of time that is changing, and something was there and it's gone, and something will be in the future, but it's not there yet. So I would, you know, that's why I, I, I'm kind of slow to go too far outside of the point in time where we
1: are right now. So I wouldn't look at this as point in time. I'd look at it as as a food chain, a kind of an ecosystem in itself. Like so. You probably disagree with this, but like megafauna, it looks like it was exasperated by human activity, human colonization. Mm-hmm. So, if the humans weren't here, like the the animals might still be around. So, like that's an interesting kind of mm-hmm. thought in itself. It's not back in that point in time, like ten thousand years ago. It's if we they existed now, what would their role be in the ecosystem? Would they still have a role in the ecosystem? And what benefit oh. would that bring to other animals in the ecosystem? So that's kind of where I'd be coming from the conversation. It's not necessarily going back 100,000 years to the younger Dryas, or it's the younger Dryas, 100,000 years, sorry. Um, it's not going back to that point in time. It's looking at would the, these animals exist today in this ecosystem and are they needed to complete the circle? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's probably a conversation that hasn't fully taken off yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's probably a conversation that'll be happening in a few years down the line, but it's still a conversation that people, I, I think it's good if they're aware of it. Like, cause it is, mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's fun to think about. Like it's the mm-hmm. Batman versus What's Superman. Um, rewilding like what would happen if there was elephants in England? Like mm-hmm. it's an interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun to find out. I think there is benefit to it. Um, they'd be smashing SUVs in the motorway. way. <laughs> There'll be no more commutes. Um, I don't know, I just think it's something that it probably needs to be discussed, like, um, there's, I know the Rhea is introduced into Germany now, isn't it, the flightless bird? Oh, Rhea. I didn't really
0: hear that, no, I don't know.
1: I think there's some in Germany released from a farm or something and they're playing the role of like an extinct mega bird that really? used to be there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up, it's been a few years that's since I heard it. Um, mm-hmm but that's like an interesting way to look at it. Like an Escobar's hippos in um, oh yeah, South America, they're playing like a role in the ecosystem now because they're there and they're moving nutrients around. So like we see these- well, actually, accidental- they,
0: they're actually, they're, they're actually deemed uh, obviously invasive species. And, and what I heard is that they, they causing massive damage to the environment.
1: But is it like damage of establishment, or is it like long-term degrading damages? It's the yeah, same with the wars. I
0: think this is exactly, and I, and I think this is exactly the point I was trying to make that that things moved on, and yeah. and and the role that they were played there, there was nothing to play that role for you know then such and such thousands of years, and now we don't really need that role and something else. Is in the place of that role, so now we reintroduce that, and by 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 that we're gonna destroy, you know, what already was moving moved forward in the name of putting going backwards to some point, and then I feel like I'm I'm you know I think it's uncomfortable to make that decision for us, like, you know, like a human, like oh you know, the things move forward and we never had like a massive herbivore in, in uh, um, where is it, in Colombia, but they were there 10,000 years ago. So now we're gonna put there and they're gonna do all this destruction, but it's fine because they're starting to play a role that they didn't play there for 10,000 years. So this is where I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I am willing to accept that the thing's moved forward and, and, and we don't need that massive herbivore in Colombia anymore um because the things move forward and we have other you know species that are there and that massive herbivore maybe not necessarily fits anymore as good as you know it's almost like a wound you know you just rip out something and something else starts going in there it's like uh, you know this is this is this is my view on this
1: that's interesting i'll convert you yet don't worry all right,
0: no worries, no worries. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I, as always, I'm happy for discussion and listen, David. Thank you very much for that conversation. Uh, it was, it, it was extremely interesting, uh, and uh, yeah, all the best for, for uh, setting up the project and for setting up discussions uh, going forward. For everybody listening to that, uh, at, uh, on Twitter at Rewilding I R E or uh, or just uh, Rewilding Ireland. Um I hope that uh you will have more engagement after this podcast and hopefully all positive. Hopefully. And um yeah, thank you very much.
1: Pierce, thank you very much. i'll talk to you again. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.